Who do you trust this morning? Who do you trust? Right now, we're dealing with COVID-19 or the coronavirus. A hundred years ago, it was the Spanish flu. And there have been other diseases throughout the centuries and millennia, diseases, catastrophes, down through history. The question is, who do you trust in a situation like this? Who do you trust? Who has the answer? Who has the solution? I want to take you back in time right now in Israel's history to a time, to a place where there was an outbreak of catastrophe in the midst of the people of God, in the midst of Israel. You see, God's plan was to bring Israel into the promised land. His plan was to bring them out of the bondage of Egypt, bring them, give them the law, give them everything they needed, and then bring them directly into the promised land, a land flowing with milk and honey. So after they had been at Sinai for about a year and a half, receiving the law, the instructions for the tabernacle, they came right up to the edge of the land to a place called Kadesh Barnea. And it was there that Moses sent a group of spies. It was 12 spies into the land to spy out the land. You may know the story. Those spies returned, and 10 of the spies had negativity to share, a bad report. They said, look, there's giants. We're small. We're not going to be able to do it. It's not going to happen. Only two of the spies came back with a good report, Joshua and Caleb. The problem was that the people believed the 10 that had the negative report. The 10, the people believed the 10 instead of the two. And this error was very grievous. And it was an error of consensus, an error of consensus. Everyone agreed with the larger group. The only problem is that when you go along with believing what is the consensus, sometimes everybody can be wrong, right? And on this occasion, they were. Sometimes consensus can be fatal. Years later, Israel finds themselves still in the desert. 38 years later, to be exact, and they wandered in the desert. And they were coming around to a place called Edom. God was positioning them to bring them into the land, only it went downhill from there again. The people began to complain. They began to be discouraged. And they spoke out against Moses and God. And they said, there's no water here. And they said, why'd you even bring us out here? We've been out here just doing this whole thing. Why? What's going on? And the Lord sent fiery serpents into the camp of Israel, and these snakes, these serpents, began to bite the people, and they were fiery. They, were, they had a sting and a, a burning to them, and the people, some of the people, were dying. The serpents were called fiery because the burning sensation that, the, the, the venom caused as the snake would bite you. So 
the, the situation was a real catastrophe, a real emergency. People were dying. But what could be done? What was the solution? There's an emergency. There's an emergency. Let's pick it up in Numbers chapter 21, verse 4. It says this. Then they journeyed, Israel, from Mount Hor by the way of the Red Sea to go around the land of Edom. And the soul of the people became very discouraged on the way. And the people spoke against God and against Moses. Why have you brought us up out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? For there is no food and no water, and our soul loathes this worthless bread. So the Lord sent fiery serpents among the people, and they bit the people, and many of the, of the people of Israel died. Therefore the people came to Moses and said, We have sinned, for we have spoken against the Lord and against you. Pray to the Lord that he take away the serpents from us. So Moses prayed for the people. Then the Lord said to Moses, Make a fiery serpent and set it on a pole, and it shall be that everyone who is bitten, when he looks at it, shall live. So Moses made a bronze serpent and put it on a pole, and so it was. If a serpent had bitten anyone, when he looked at the bronze serpent, he lived. There is an emergency. You see, the people had come around to Edom. And they were very discouraged. They complained against Moses. They complained against God. They said, there's no water out here. And did you hear that? We loathe this bread. Remember, God had been supplying them manna every morning uh, and, and, and sustaining them. We don't like this food and we're going to die. And so the text we just read said God sent fiery serpents, and these snakes bit the people, and they were dying, and the serpents were called fiery because of the burning sensation that the venom caused as the snake would bite them, and, and then that, the burning sensation was something lethal. It ended up killing many of the people. Just a few days ago, it was getting later in the evening, and it was pretty much my bedtime. And I went upstairs to kind of turn in. And I got in bed, and I was just laying in bed reading an article on my phone. When all of a sudden, there was just this tremendous burning sensation on my arm, on my left arm. It was a tremendous burning sensation. And it was so bad, it was like a burning. It was like it was on fire. And I was just grabbing my arm and trying to get it to stop, and it wouldn't stop. And so I got up out of the bed. I came downstairs, and I found Mary Jo, and I said, Mary Jo, do something. Do something about this. She says, look, what do you want me to do? I'm like, anything. Just do something, right? And she's like, I don't know what to do. I'm like, well, do you have any rubbing alcohol? And she says, no, I don't have any rubbing alcohol. I'm like, are you serious? You don't have any rubbing? I thought every woman had a bottle of rubbing alcohol somewhere in the house, certainly. She didn't know what to do, so she went to the pantry and she grabbed a bottle of vinegar. The next thing I knew, my wife is pouring a half a bottle of stinky vinegar on my forearm to somehow get control of this fiery burning that was on my arm, whatever it was. 
That didn't work. All that did was stink everything up for a little bit. <laughs> she finally did find, I think, a, a bottle of rubbing alcohol. See, I knew I was right. I knew there was a bottle of rubbing alcohol somewhere in the house. We got rubbing alcohol, and we probably got plenty of toilet paper, okay? So, um, so we got the rubbing alcohol, we, get, we got that swabbed on there. So we had vinegar, we had rubbing alcohol. Um, she had some... What was some of the other stuff she had? She had some uh, uh, some type of cream, hydrocortisone, and then she put some neosporin on it. I mean, at this point, we were just like, whatever you got, just, you know, whatever is going to do the trick because I can't deal with this. I mean, it's, it's, this is bad. We tried everything that we thought would work to stop the burning. You see, the people were being bitten by snakes and they were burning. And they, the bite burned and eventually killed him. And there was no immediate solution in sight. So the people went to Moses and Moses went to God. Moses was instructed by the Lord. He said, make a, a fiery serpent of bronze and put it on a pole. And whoever is bitten by one of these serpents, when you, when you raise that serpent up, whoever looks upon the serpent will be saved, will we'll stay alive, will not die. And so you have this serpent on a pole. Well, just a little bit about what this bronze serpent on a pole is. Bronze is the metal in the Old Testament throughout the Bible. Of, 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 it's the metal of judgment. And so this is a picture. The bronze serpent is literally a picture of the judgment of man's sin. And so they were looking at that place where the judgment was being satisfied, that judgment of the, the serpent on a pole. It's a picture of sin being judged. Today, this is a symbol of emergency. When you look at an ambulance, when you look at certain uh, medical vehicles, they will have a picture of a snake on, wrapped around a pole. Because from this time forward, this became a, a symbol, a picture of an emergency, something, an answer to an emergency situation. So whoever looked upon the brazen serpent, was saved. That was God's answer in that situation. But this situation wasn't just a standalone situation. It pointed forward to something that would happen over 1,500 years later. There is an emergency, and the answer is the cross of Jesus. Fast forward 1,500 years no one had really paid attention to this bronze serpent on a pole. Actually, they had. They had kept it. The Israelites had kept it, and it had passed through the generation of kings, and they used to revere this bronze serpent on a pole, so much so that they were literally worshiping it as like an, like an heirloom, like a, like a religious artifact of some kind. And it was when King Hezekiah came to power and he began to clean out the idolatry of the people of Israel that he said, this thing, this thing is just nothing. It's just, it's just a snake on a pole. And he broke it in pieces and destroyed it. No one ever, it was never spoken of again. It was never, ever spoken of again. 
until one night when Jesus was meeting with a man named Nicodemus. And he was explaining to Nicodemus how he could be saved, that he had to be born again, that he had to be born of the Spirit from above so that he could see the kingdom of heaven. And Jesus, in the midst of this discussion, he brings up out of all places, out of all things, out of left field, he brings up the bronze serpent on the pole that Moses had raised up before the people. Jesus tells Nicodemus that he would be the fulfillment of that event, that solution. In John chapter 3, verse 14 and 15, Jesus said this, as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so the Son of Man must be lifted up, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life, eternal life. So Jesus was speaking of the crucifixion. He refers back to the bronze serpent on a pole. The, the bronze serpent on a pole was lifted up in front of the people of Israel. Jesus said, as Moses lifted up that serpent on a pole, the Son of Man will be lifted up. And whoever believes upon him will be saved, will have eternal life. Jesus was lifted up on the cross. He came into this world and he lived and he taught and he gathered followers and disciples and he taught them and eventually he told them, I've got to go. I've got to go because I'm laying my life down. I'm going to be turned over. And he went and he gave his life up and he went to a cross on a hill called Calvary and he was nailed to a cross on that place. And they raised up that cross on that hill called Golgotha, the place of the skull, Calvary in the Latin. Yeah, that's what Calvary means. It's skull. Jesus was raised up on that place. And that is what Jesus is telling Nicodemus. Whoever looks to what Jesus did on the cross, whoever puts their trust in God's ultimate solution for mankind will be saved. So there's healing available to the tragic situation, the tragic circumstance of man. The price was paid by Christ. He paid a huge price. What was the price? He paid his own life. He shed his blood. He poured out his blood upon that hill called Calvary for you and for me. He gave it all. He took the sin of the world. He took my sin. He took your sin. He took every sin that was ever committed. He took it upon himself so that whoever would believe upon him, whoever would put their trust in him, whoever would look to what he did on the cross would not die but have eternal life. The prophet Isaiah foretold of this solution to every person's situation in Isaiah chapter 53. It's an awesome chapter and right in the middle of that chapter, looking down at verse 5, he says this, but he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him and by his stripes we are healed. So there is a solution to man's emergency. There is an answer and the answer is the cross of Jesus Christ.
Whoever puts their hope, their faith, their trust in Christ, their, puts their hope and faith in what he accomplished for us on the cross will be saved. You go through life and you can manage your problems. You have different varying degrees of problems. Some, some problems are little problems. Some, some problems are medium-sized problems. Oh, I can do this. I can solve this. Give me a hammer. I'll fix that. Some other situations take some thinking, some doing, some working. But there's a problem that mankind has that he can never fix. He can never fix. The Bible tells us that it is appointed unto man to die once and then judgment. In other words, we will die and stand before God for judgment to be held accountable for our lives. If we're being honest with ourselves this morning, we've all sinned. We've all sinned. And we've fallen short of the glory of God. That's the way the Bible puts it. Paul put it like that in Romans. We've all sinned and fallen short of the glory. Back a few years ago, Will Smith starred in a movie called I Am Legend. Many of you will remember it. Some of you were like, oh, yeah, that, that one. <laughs> it's the story of how the whole world was taken over by a pandemic. A genetically re-engineered measles virus, originally created as a cure for cancer, turned lethal and kills 90% of the world population and turns a remaining portion of the leftovers who weren't killed, 9.8%, into what appears to be this vampiric, cannibalistic mutants. I mean, they're humans, but they're more like zombies at this point, they're, and they, they are cannibalistic. At the end of the movie, a cure from the virus heals one of the patients, and a vial of her blood is taken that then is the solution and has the solution and the cure to the situation. The movie climaxes with a group of these zombie-type humans coming down into this basement lab where there's a glass wall and they're banging on the wall trying to get in. And Will Smith's character is screaming through the glass trying to communicate to these people, these human beings that are in this terrible, horrific situation with this disease. And he's saying, let me save you as he holds the vial of blood that he knows is now the cure to the situation. He's saying, let me save you. Let me save you. The solution to the problem that we all have as human beings is to look to and to trust in the person of Jesus Christ. It's the solution of his shed blood. It's the cure of his shed blood that covers our sins, that cleanses us from all unrighteousness, that literally puts his life upon ours. And so let me say it this way this morning. He is legend. He is legend. Amen? Not in, a, and in the sense of a, being a legendary figure, but in a legend in terms of what he accomplished. And, I, and, and you could almost put another superlative on that. The most legend. 
the most legend. He is legend, and he's here right now, and he would look right into the center of your eyes, into the center of your soul, and he would say to you this morning, let me save you. Let me save you. I have the answer to your situation. So I want to close this morning on this Easter Sunday by offering you an opportunity to put your trust and your hope in Jesus Christ. You don't have to have it all figured out. You just have to do this one simple thing. Put all of your hope in the person of Jesus Christ and what he accomplished for you on the cross at Calvary. Because as he was lifted up on the cross, whoever looks to the work of the cross and the person of Christ that accomplishes it, putting your trust in him, you will be saved. And I've got some good news. The grave didn't hold him. He gave up his spirit. He died on that Good Friday. But on Sunday morning, he was raised to new life. He was raised to life and came out of that grave. And because he came out of that grave and has been victorious over death and the grave, through him, you can be victorious too. You can be victorious over death and the grave as well. But only through him, only through him, he's the only solution. He's the way, the truth, and the life. So I want to pray with you right now. If you want to give your life to Christ, if you want to put your hope in Christ, all, all other ground, all other solutions, all other ground is sinking sand. But if you'll put your faith in him, he's a rock. He's a rock of salvation. And he'll put your life up on that rock today. So I want to pray with you right now. If you want to give your life to Christ, Lord Jesus, I'm a sinner, and I've sinned against you. Please forgive me and wash me clean. I give you my life today on this Easter Sunday. I confess that you are the Lord of my life and that you are the Lord of all. I believe that you were raised from death and the grave on that third day and that you are alive right now. And I put my whole trust in you and give you my life. And I want to serve you. Help me to follow you and to live for you. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that prayer for the first time, or maybe you prayed it coming back to the Lord right now on this Easter Sunday, we want to invite you to get in touch with us, reach out to us through our YouTube channel or our Facebook uh, site, and we want to help you and be in contact with you. But God bless you today. Celebrate the resurrection of Jesus. It's the greatest event that ever has taken place on the face of the earth. And let me leave you with this. He is legend. <laughs>